listening to Best Served Cold, a Born Millennials podcast. The Australian true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama J and Laura Lease. Sit down, relax, grab a drink and enjoy this week's episode. Hello. Yeah, I almost said good morning and then I was like, it's certainly not morning for us. But it might be for you listening to this. It could be. Good it morning, could very well be. good afternoon, good night. All wherever the holy Trinity. you may be listening from. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the oh, show. We hope you, hope you guys have had a, a good time in between shows. We know it's the most important aspect of your week and that's okay. Exactly. There's your life revolves that. around us. We know that. Exactly. But anyway, welcome to our Best Served Cold, the true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. I'm one of your hosts, Laura Elise, and I'm just a little lad who loves berries and cream. And I'm Tama Tor. Where you close at? <laughs> I love how we synchronize that without knowing. Where your clothes at? Where you close at? It's just out. Everything is a TikTok meme now. Yeah. I have no thoughts, just TikTok sounds. We tried the um, salmon California roll. Em- Emily uh, Mar- Marico, whatever her yeah. name is. We tried that. It was good. I'm not going to lie. It was really good. Yeah. That's the second TikTok food we've eaten. There's, there's no way for that delicious. to go wrong though. Like chili sauce with mayo, salmon and rice. Like mm, it's, a, so. it's a good combo. Hmm. But anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, if you're new around here, little disclaimer we do at the start, we do swear quite a bit in this yes. show. So if you're someone who doesn't like swear words, you can fuck off. <laughs> um, we also Sorry. have another little exciting announcement just yes. quickly uh, before we jump into everything. We are launching a, well, not a second show, but a second episode. Yeah. So because we are insane. Um, we'll be doing two sh- episodes a week, so you can tune in Wednesday for the main episode, and then Friday we'll be releasing another episode, which is essentially the same uh, structure as this, but it will be shorter because there's a lot of cases that you guys especially send us that you want us to cover that unfortunately there's just not enough information you can find on the case to kind of fill uh, you know, 20 to 30 minute slot, which is kind of how long Tamara and I generally talk about each of our cases. Mm. So we wanted to launch a second show that will be shorter so we can cover the cases that we find interesting, but may not necessarily be able to find enough information on. So stay tuned because that will be coming out this week. First episode will be out this Friday. It's twice the content for you guys. Twice the content. I don't, we're both insane, honestly. Yeah, it will. We'll probably die, <laughs> but who knows? We'll, we might make some money from it. Maybe in the future. Maybe so we can feasibly do it more realistically, which would be fantastic. That's the goal. That's mm-hmm. the dream. Um, yeah, it it it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be worth it. Yeah, we just need everyone to promise that if we do start doing ads, you'll won't talk about it because yeah, we got to try and find a way to support this somehow uh only other housekeeping thing i have if you do want to follow us on social media we're on facebook tiktok instagram and twitter although i am poorly active on twitter i'm not gonna lie yeah. you can find us at the bsc podcast on all of those social media platforms check out our tiktok as well mm. because uh we have 
content that we post on TikTok every now and then, just little snippets of stories that we've covered on the show. Um, if you've missed any of those stories and want to get a little summary or a little, you know, yeah. wrap up of that, perfect to go check out. Just some fun content. Just subscribe to us and that, and that, and you'll make me happy, very happy. And I think, I guess, without further ado, let's jump right into it. It's your turn to go first. It's my first, turn. So, okay, so this one is another unsolved mystery-esque oh thing. I'm doing an unsolved one as well. That's okay. My one ends a little differently to how you would think. Okay. So I'm intrigued. It's a very, it's a very interesting case. It's think along the lines of. You don't fuck with cats. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh shit, people did this. Yeah. So for people who don't know, don't fuck with cats. It's a Netflix documentary that centers around uh, a pack of internet sleuths who essentially solved this animal cruelty mm. case that ended up turning into an actual murder of yeah. one human murdering another human. Definitely would recommend checking that out because it's an interesting Sure. And the person's name is now... It's, it's escaped me. It's a weird name and I can't remember it. Look it up and we'll talk about but it anyway, later But anyway, keep going. On. Anyway, so around 1.30pm on June 26, 1995, there was a car accident in Emporia, Greensville County, Virginia. Two men were involved in the crash, one driver and one passenger, and both unfortunately passed away in the crash. The car they were driving in had ran into a pair of trees on the US Route 58 West, Neither were wearing the seatbelts at the time of the crash, and that's what is thought to have led to their deaths. The driver was a 21-year-old University of South Carolina student, Michael Hager. The passenger had no identification on him at all. Police had zero way of identifying him, and all they could find on him were two scalpel Grateful Dead tickets, a dollar and quarters, and a yellow Bic lighter. A few sources say that there was also a note found on him, but some say that it was found near the car crash. It's weird, but I am going to bet on the side of it being on him. Okay. Um, the note says, quote, Jason, sorry we had to go see you around. Call me, hash 914, and then four numbers that are um, undeterminable. Caroline T and Caroline O by with a couple exclamation points. From this, we can ascertain that the passenger's name might have been Jason, mm -hmm. if this note is in fact for him. Though there's no proof of identity, it's not a solid connection, so they could never fully identify him as Jason. The passenger was estimated to be around the ages of 15 to 22. He had long brown curly hair and brown eyes. He had a tattoo of a star on his upper left arm and another on his right, though both uh, were somewhat faded and thought to have been home, home jobs. At the time of the accident, he was wearing a red tie-dye Grateful Dead t-shirt, Levi jeans, white socks, and blue Fila running shoes. Eventually, he became known as the Grateful Doe due to the Grateful Dead tickets that were found in him and the shirt he was wearing at the time of his death. And him being, I believe the term is a James Doe or... Um, John Doe. John Doe, sorry. Um, him being a John Doe, unidentified, it just was a term yeah. that was used to identify him. The driver mentioned before was 21-year-old Michael Hager. Neither Hager nor the passenger had any drugs or alcohol in their system during the, de the, the time of their deaths, and police speculated that Hager must have fallen asleep at the wheel and crashed into the trees, unfortunately. Okay. It's believed that Hager picked up the passenger as a hitchhiker as both shared similar interests, and it's thought that maybe they were both 
seeing the concert together or had come from the concert or going to the concert, it's unsure. Though it's believed that Haig was just picking him up as a hitchhiker. Okay. Due to the severe damage and lacerations on the passenger's face, police refrained from submitting mortuary photos to the public in hopes to identify him. Instead, they released sketches of what they believe Grateful Doe looked like, as well as his possible name potentially being Jason. Over 200 missing person cases were cross-referenced with Grateful Grateful Doe, but still nothing ever came from these efforts. As this was in 1995, as we all know, the internet was a very young during this time and this case wouldn't receive any real attention online until later around 1999 mm-hmm. even still this era of the internet is very small young not a lot of people using it in for that sort of time or that sort of facet mm. um, and the phone number that was found on the note proved to be a dead end as well as it lacked an area code so things aren't looking too well on how to identify who this person is yeah as the tickets were scalpeled, meaning bought and then resold, mm, which you can't trace them. You can't. So they actually did trace this ticket back to someone who made a oh the original a living. They made a living out of or not a living, but they made a habit out of scalping tickets. Mm. Um, and they they managed to trace the original purchase back to a man in Pennsylvania, though unfortunately he couldn't remember who he sold the tickets to. Eventually, popularity around this case dies down and the police sort of move on with no real steps for them to continue on. Mm. Now, for years, this case remained unsolved. Traveling forward towards 2013, so this is very recent, mm-hmm. The with technology improving over the years in many different facets, we've seen cases like the Golden State, Golden State Killer caught through advances in technology. Um, this is the same with facial reconstruction so police now had better methods in facial reconstruction which were much more advanced than the sketches they originally used so this was used to hopefully find an identity for grateful doe at the same time people on web sleuths forums and reddit started researching the case uh, after this reconstruction came out an official social media campaign was created in 2014 with the aim of solving this case before june the 26th 2015 which would have been the 20th anniversary of grateful doe's death now this campaign went viral mm. like 2015 2014 viral crazy like coney 2012 like coney 2012 viral what a time yeah This image was shared on Reddit, BuzzFeed, Imager, um, Grateful Dead forums, basically anywhere that was an internet sleuth's useful forum or something that would have been of interest to anyone. Uh, As well, this case started gaining more media attention as well. And on the 31st of December in 2014, this is really cool, an anonymous Australian woman known by the username Grey Metal started a subreddit on Reddit. They posted a image onto that sub forum as well as on Imager, and the image was basically just a collage of the old sketches along with the new reconstruction um, f- images, while also including identifying features such as his tattoo, the Grateful Dead shirt, tattoo um, ticket, the Grateful Dead tickets, and just a short description of who he was and a link to the Facebook page for um, Grateful Doe. Along with the image, she made a post. Describing Grateful Doe in the first person, like I am this person, blah, blah, Mm. blah. Um, Basically stating everything there is to know about Grateful Doe. 
So more than half a million people saw this photo. And as a result, two men actually contacted Grey Mill believing they knew who this person was. Mm-hmm. They, the first man was able to describe Grateful Doe as a Jason that he had known. He gave a rough age and let her know that he had once lived with the Jason until one day in early 1995, he left and never came back. The second man was actually able to supply images of the Jason that he knew, believing that his Jason bore an uncanny resemblance to the early sketches of um, what the police supplied. Grey Metal also came to learn that this Jason had once worked at McDonald's, wasn't studying, and while he lived in Illinois for a while, he was actually from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. He was described as being a hippie, hippie surfer-type kid with a Roman-friendly personality and easily made a lot of friends around him. The Grateful Dead Facebook group would also go on to share um, these... Sorry, not the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Doe Facebook group would also go on to share these images asking if anyone knew who this Jason was. This led to April 24th in 2015 when actually some of Jason's family members reached out and found this campaign. And they reached out to the members of the campaign. Jason's half-sister on his father's side had spent years trying to find where Jason had disappeared to. As he was missing in the 90s, he left no digital footprint and the case had all been forgotten by the media. Mm. This was until the, she, she found the campaign and was able to identify Jason via the photos. Unfortunately, learning that her long-lost half-brother had tragically died in a car crash 20 That's years sad. earlier. Eventually, too, Jason's mum, Margareta Evans, found the group and reached out for further details. She had filed a missing persons report in Myrtle Beach, and according to her, Jason was a frequent runaway. As we know, counties during you know the early 90s and just didn't talk to each other. Even still now, mm. don't necessarily talk to each other. So it's clear to see where an issue would have arisen with this. Yeah. So she launched one in Myrtle Beach, but didn't know where he would be. So didn't think of to la- of launching a missing person report somewhere else mm. as well, um, which she received flack from from the police. But it's like, do your fucking job and talk yeah. to each other. Um, anyway, after about 11 months, the Grateful Doe's DNA was ran with Jason's and they were able to formally identify him as Jason Callahan from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Supposedly, Jason had left home to follow the Grateful Dead, which runs with this mm. idea of him being a Grateful Dead fan and him going to see the band. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it just seems like a, f- a freak accident that took away his life. He was just a, a regular, normal kid who was into surfing, who, um, into Grateful Dead, and yeah. just tragically lost his life at a very young age of around 19, I believe. Mm. On the Grateful Doe Facebook group... Um, Jason's half-sister left a very nice message to everyone, and I quote, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all. For everyone on this Facebook page, as well as all the web sleuths and people on Reddit who followed this case adamantly, had I not found the post and Reddit pages in January, I would have never known that my brother Jason was still missing or what happened to him. Thanks to you all, I was able to talk to Jason's mom and find out more about my brother, who I haven't seen since I was a young girl. I also would never have known about an un- an unidentified body in Virginia. Thanks to all your hard work, I was able to submit my DNA and that's what confirmed Jason's identity. I ask that you all keep Jason's mom in your prayers and as she is hurting more than anyone ever should. God bless you all and thank you for helping me get some closure. 
as of today, the Grateful Doe's Facebook page and subreddit are still extremely active. They're mm. still operating right now. And they actually spend their time continuing this um, identifying cases. Oh, wow. Um, so any Jane Doe's or um, John Doe's appear, they spend their time trying to figure out who they are and yeah. submit any information they find to police. And so their families can get... Exactly. Yeah. While giving respects to families that may, maybe don't want to see images or mm. stories of this are popping up. Um, but it is beautiful to know that this started something for yeah. internet sleuths to sort of help families get closure. Mm. And in this one case, a family was able to actually get closure. Yeah. It's just unfortunate that it had to result in a young man tragically losing his life who seemed like a very nice kid. Yeah. And I guess that's like you. This is when you hear the like the not, the really good side of the true crime community when things like this happen. Yeah, like things like this. Um, the the attention around Golden State Killer in the book. Um, this is where you sort of get the good side of that whole mm. facet, but you get the whole thing of um, don't fuck with cats. Yeah, right. Like there's that element of dead ends and police aren't able to figure out what happened. And then you have a couple internet sleuths who just work yeah. diligently to try and find it. And it's just crazy how all the pieces fell together. Well, it's also sad because it says a lot about the, like the funding and I guess politics of crime solving when it yeah. comes to actual, like obviously if, there's a certain number of resources and hours that police have that they're paid for that mm. they can dedicate to one crime before they have to kind of move on to the next one. But you do have to give them credit for the um, the reconstruction photos of mm. of him. They could have just easily been like, fuck it, we don't need to do this. So credit where credit is due, they actually did create those reconstruction photos and that in turn led to people wanting to solve this case yeah you know um but yeah it does sort of scream a lot about the flaws with law enforcement and investigations that are still prevalent to this day mm. um but that is the case of grateful joe um and jason callahan um it's a very fascinating case and it's a, a, a bittersweet sort of ending as, you know, it, it does result in closure for the family, but unfortunately not the kind of closure yeah, you really hope for. Yeah, not the one I'm sure they wanted. Yeah, but closure nonetheless. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a small break and afterwards we are going to continue with Laura's case. So I'm going to be talking this evening about another case kind of like Elisa Lamb and the Cecil Hotel where it's like technically been solved and technically has an official cause of death. But the circumstances are weird. But I'm not buying it. Right. Okay. Um, so 
On January, oh, sorry, rather, in January 1959, there's a group of nine young hikers comprised of seven men and two women who are hiking together through the Ural Mountains in Russia. So they're working towards uh, a famous peak known as Dead Mountain, Mm -hmm. which is ominous, really unfortunately (laughs) ominous name. Um, Also, I just would like to apologize in advance for potentially butchering the Russian names. I've typed them out Russian for names myself again. phonetically yeah. to try and give myself the best chance, but I'm really sorry if I mispronounced You've them. You've got an affinity for Russians and Russian names, apparently. Yeah, look. This one's really interesting. Okay, so, cool. Got it. So as they're hiking, a blizzard starts to set in and increasingly gets worse. So the group decides to stop and pitch their tents at the base of a mountain. The group had told a local sports club kind of in the nearby town that they, when they returned from the summit, they would send a telegram because it's the 50s. Mm -hmm. The club was told to expect this around the 12th of February. Could be shorter, could be longer, like, you know, long hikes like this kind of, there's no exact deadline. Yeah, they could take several breaks. They could take a few. Yeah. So Feb 12th comes and goes and nothing is heard from the group. But the alarm isn't raised until the 20th of February when relatives of the hikers kind of demand that a search party is raised. A group of volunteers, rescue groups, as well as eventually the army and police start searching. And they eventually bring in planes and helicopters for the mountainous terrain. On February 26, search groups find the abandoned tent. When they find the tent, it's been badly damaged. It's... um sort of half torn down, it's cut open from the inside, covered in snowfall and all of the group's belongings still inside. Leaving the tent are nine visible sets of footprints, only wearing socks or barefoot, keeping in mind these are in temperatures of like negative 25 degrees. Yeah, that's not good. So the sets of footprints lead investigators down to the edge of nearby woods where they then disappear under snow. At the edge of the woods, the remnants of a fire are found and the first of the bodies are discovered. The bodies are travellers uh, Krivon- Krivonishchenko and Doroshenko are found shoeless and only wearing underwear. Branches of a nearby tree are snapped up to about a, about sort of five metres high, indicating that the duo had attempted to either climb up to try and search for the tent or potentially kind of like escape from something as investigators search the area further another three bodies are found between the tree and the camp the bodies of Dyatlov, Kolmo, Gorova and Slobodia all found deceased in poses suggesting that they were likely trying to return back to their tent it takes rescuers another two months to find the remaining four travellers. And Sheesh. on May 4th, the missing hikers are found in a ravine buried under f- around four metres of snow. They are wearing more clothes than the first bodies, but it's kind of suggested that these have potentially been removed from the deceased hikers and taken by them. One of the hikers, uh, Dobby Nina is found wearing trousers that belonged to a different hiker, which are burnt and torn. Now, what makes this story incredibly wild is the condition that the bodies are found in. So I already mentioned that most of them are kind of in various stages of undress 
On top of that, some of the bodies are found with broken bones, cracked skulls, some are missing their eyes, and one of them had a missing tongue, although most people have kind of agreed that the eye and the tongue is likely because of wildlife. Mm. Initially, when the first of the bodies are found, all the deaths are formally ruled as hypothermia. However, when the discovery of the final three bodies is made on May 4th, these are ruled as death from major injuries. One of the hikers has a major skull fracture, with the other two having major chest fractures. Coroner said the level of injury required an enormous amount of force similar to a major car crash, but the lack of external wounds or cuts pointed to an enormous amount of pressure having likely caused the injuries. What we do know as accepted fact about this case is the following. So six of the hikers died from hypothermia, three from their injuries. Lack of evidence or footprints pretty much rule out the presence of anyone else bar the nine hikers. The tent had been either ripped or cut open from the inside. All the hikers died within at least eight hours of whenever they'd last eaten, which is estimated to have likely been not that much earlier than when they'd left the tent. Interestingly, small levels of radiation were found on some of the clothing. But what has intrigued people for years and what makes this case wildly fascinating is why nine experienced hikers would leave their tent in the middle of the night not wearing enough clothes in such a rush. Yeah, that is very weird. So a bunch of hikers camping on a snowy mountain, some with catastrophic crush injuries, you would assume an avalanche. That's kind of the first thing you would think of. High it makes of pressure. Sense. makes a lot of sense. Except there are multiple pieces of the puzzle that don't fit with the avalanche theory, which is, by the way, the official ruling that I don't agree with. Because I'm a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) So the first thing is 30 degrees is generally the acceptable degree for a slope that a slope needs to be for a major avalanche to occur. However, the slope the hikers were on and the surrounding areas was only about 23 degrees. Now, this has sort of been kind of argued because a lot of people say, well, it depends on the uh, how tightly the snow is packed. So if it's a light snowfall, so it's kind of dusty snow, it gives a kind of like it helps the avalanche. So an avalanche can occur on a much lower degree of slope, whereas if it's hard packed snow, it needs kind of a A bigger slope slope for it to occur. Yeah. But the footsteps leading away from the tent indicated that the group weren't in any rush. The distance between footsteps indicates the group semi-calmly walked away. They weren't running, they weren't rushing, they weren't tripping. While the tent is partially destroyed from fallen snow that occurs in the, you know, 20 or so days it takes for them to be found, um, it wasn't completely covered, which you would think if there was an avalanche. Some of the tent poles were still upright and unbroken, and some reports also stated that there was even a cup of hot chocolate inside the tent upright without a drop spilled, as well as a torch and a discarded jacket, which were found on top of the tent, not covered in snow. You think if there's an avalanche, that tent is buried. That, and that cup would be tipped over mm. and completely buried. So most people also agree that while the major bone fractures the three hikers found can be caused by avalanche, they're not really standard injuries, especially since, again, no ex- like major external wounds are found. So there's nothing indicating like a rock has fallen on the arm and crushed it. Like this, It just kind of 
they've got these major internal injuries with hardly a scratch externally. Recently, in January 2021, there was a study published in Nature Journal Communications, Earth and Environment that provided the first sort of scientific evidence of an avalanche or at least one in that area. But, you know, to me personally, it's still doesn't odd. Add up. Yeah. Doesn't that up? I'm not a scientist, but it just. I'm just a very intelligent person. And if you Red are Smith. really interested, there's actually so much stuff you can read about um, standard avalanches, which is like the ones you see in movies where it's like a big flurry and then what's Cascade. called a slab avalanche, which is when a big kind of. It's like the ones you see in Antarctica, how the big slab of ice kind of just falls Separates. off as one big slab. Gotcha. Yeah. So that has formally been ruled as the cause of death. It's an avalanche. Personally, I don't buy it. Yeah. But, you know, that's not what you came here for. You came here for the other theories. Yeah. So another theory posed is that of catabatic winds. So these are essentially kind of crazy. It's a, it's a kind of... Um, What's the word? Crazy force of nature. And they're really violent winds that occur predominantly at night in very hilly areas. So I took this definition off the Bureau of Meteorology because I wasn't even going to try and explain it. So it occurs at night when the highlands radiate heat and then are cooled. The air in contact with these highlands is thus also cooled and it becomes denser than the air at the same elevation but away from the slope. So it's kind of like... The, the hot air gets cooled and then becomes heavier than the surrounding air and then gravity forces this denser air downwards. So you've got oh. like, it's kind of like when you have those, I don't know if anyone's seen the crazy um, incense burners that you can get where you like put the little thing and because the incense smoke is like heavier than air, it kind of looks like it's water. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of like what happens so the air therefore begins to flow downhill sometimes at incredibly rapid violent speeds and this process is most pronounced in calm air because winds um mix the air and prevent the cold pockets from forming when there's high winds so basically cold area big slope calm night and you can get this crazy when the kind of air rapidly cools and the sudden change in the density of the air forces all this air to just kind of violently go down. That's crazy. Very crazy. Nature is insane. Yeah. And there are actually previous cases where there have been occasions where hikers have been killed from these winds and the topography of the area where our hikers were found were very similar to the previous cases of these catabatic winds. So people theorize that the crazy winds forced the hikers to leave their tent. Uh, They'd left a torch on top um, in the hope that they could make their way back, but they froze to death before they were able to get back to the tent. The hikers who were found with the severe injuries attempted to kind of erect a temporary shelter in this ravine, but it kind of collapsed on them with the amount of pressure that's caused the fractures and then they've been crushed by kind of meters of heavy snow. Interesting. Yeah. Another very interesting theory, again, crazy force of nature, is infrasound, which is a very difficult word to say, infrasound. There was, I didn't know when I started this that I was going to be doing so much research into scientific theories, but here we go. So there is another famous wind that exists in the area of Dead Mountain, it's got recorded cases, where it kind of creates a vortex and the noise that this wind makes induces panic attacks in the human mind. 
So it's like uh, the sound waves from this wind can induce panic attacks. So the theory surmises that in a state of panic induced by the noise from this crazy wind, the hikers have left their tent uh, and they've been unable to find their way back. Again, some of the hikers have died from hypothermia, while this theory surmises that the other three hikers fell into a ravine and that's what caused their injuries. So that's Makes another sense. crazy yeah. nature thing. But obviously, being that we're talking about Soviet Russia in the late 50s, a lot of the prevailing theories are foul play because of the Ruskies, the Russians. We all hated the mm, Russians in the America 50s. America just would, would devise yeah. many different theories. So in the area where the hikers were found, there are confirmed undeniable reports of testing of what was called parachute mines. So essentially you've got landmines that are buried and blown up when you tread on them. Parachute mines are essentially, they drop parachutes from the sky and these mines explode in midair. So basically trying to injure people with an external uh, explosion of force. Right, okay. So basically, yeah, the explosions happen in midair. So one theory suggests that the Russian military were conducting experiments in the area. In their panic from the noise, the hikers have left their tent, like freaking out. Three of the hikers again, I'm sorry, seven of the hikers have again died from hypothermia, while three of the hikers have sustained catastrophic injuries from being too close to one of these parachute mines. So people have kind of, there's reported injuries from mid-air explosions where people have suffered similar wounds where there's little to no external injury but they've suffered these kind of internal catastrophic injuries from just the sheer force of this explosion so it's not like a a burn or anything it's just the actual pressure of the explosion that causes these crazy internal injuries yeah that makes sense yeah, and there were also alleged reports from people who claimed to have seen glowing orange orbs falling from the sky in the vicinity, but that's not proven. You also said there was fire damage? Yeah. Which... Some of the trousers were torn. Could pertain as to Some that? people have theorised that the first two bodies that were found who attempted to light fire, that could have uh, been okay. what has caused that, the yeah. fire damage. But again, Who knows? It's, all, it's all kind of up for interpretation as far as I'm concerned. Right. There is also a theory held near and dear to the hearts of many a conspiracy theorist that the group saw something that they weren't supposed to out in the wilderness from the Ruskies and the Russian military killed them and it's one big setup. A lot of people also think it was a Yeti. Okay. People think aliens. Bigfoot maybe. Uh, there is... A or there was a local uh, indigenous tribe of people that did live in that area um, who a lot of people thought maybe killed them, but they, you know, local people from these groups were interrogate, interrogated pretty heavily and that was kind of ruled out, but that's another thing Yeah, people like to They say. love to do that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that is the story of the Dyatlov Pass which has officially been ruled as death by avalanche. But as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't really make sense because the tent didn't appear to have gone through an avalanche. They were experienced hikers who would have likely not put their tent anywhere near. Because you can tell, like, where 
like an avalanche is just like water. Like it needs to go down a path. It's not going to, it'll take the path of least resistance. It's just gravity. So people who are experienced hikers know they're able to see, well, this is on a, a rise or this is on an area where an avalanche yeah, I shouldn't won't put come. Here. Um, and a lot of people have said that the place the tent was in was somewhere that an avalanche path would have gone past but not over. Interesting. Okay. So, and the fact that their f- sets of footprints were still there. What what interests me is that the tent was cut from the inside, mm. so they weren't they didn't exit out the the front zip or whatever. Another theory that I saw was that so there's these things you can get when you're camping where it's essentially like a like an indoor stove, but you put the uh, the, the pipe that takes the fumes out, you stick it out the tent door. And so some people think that maybe that malfunctioned and it filled the tent with fumes and so they had to get out and the fumes made them crazy and um, like induced kind of like hallucinations. But then when they found their packs, they found this stove in various pieces in, in different packs. So that kind of indicates that it wasn't in use. It had been packed away and hadn't been used. Yeah, they hadn't used it yet. So also the fact that their footprints, it's pretty widely accepted that they didn't run away in a panic. You think if you're running from an avalanche, you're like legging it. it, There's something really creepy about it. Mm. The fact that they left calmly. Some of them had just their underwear on. Some had taken clothes from other people. Yeah, so they think that the three, the three hikers who suffered, who didn't die from hypothermia, who died from their injuries, were probably the last ones standing who found their friends who'd already passed away, and trying to keep warm, kept right, like took their clothes off them. Yeah, that's weird. Mm. That's really weird. But yeah, major skull fracture and two major chest fractures with little to no external. Wounds to confirm what did it. Yeah, that's got it. There's something there. There's something really strange about that. Mm-hmm. The, the the skull fractures, that doesn't just happen. Doesn't seem to add up. No. And people, uh, I mean, there's a, look, there's a whole other conspiracy theory that goes into the conspiracy theory that people only want to think it's a conspiracy theory because it's Russia. And I'm like, yeah, but it's still weird. It's like, still very strange. Just because it didn't happen in America doesn't mean it's any less weird yeah like it's an unexplained mystery it's plus it happened in the 50s so we have no real way of like finding more evidence into it no and sort of any other evidence was likely covered with snow yeah probably still out there somewhere but yeah that is the story of Dyatlov pass fantastic Thank you guys for joining us. We are now ending our main segment of the show and we are continuing on to our little fluff part where we just sort of discuss various things. Talk shit. Yeah, and don't really do anything about the cases. So if you're just here for the cases, thank you for joining. We'll see you on Friday, I believe, for the next, yeah. next few cases. Um, we'll, we'll have a short show on Friday and then we'll have the next main show on the next and if Monday. you have any cases that you would like us to cover, please let us know because now we, we have a bit more freedom in what cases we do, which will be nice because yeah. there's a lot of cases that I've 
like some people have sent on Instagram that I've looked at and it's kind of like a few articles that are a couple of paragraphs long and it's like that sounds like it's a really interesting case but would only take me 10 yeah. minutes to sort of talk about it. And we might talk about other various th- things like creepypastas, um, mm. you know. So if you have any like things like that, like ghost stories, creepy creepypastas, mysteries, yeah. um, odd discoveries. free form. Yeah, it's a bit more of an open show, not exclusively true crime. Yeah. Um, w- but either way, if you have something that's interesting that you would like to share... Um, maybe you have a revelation on the case we've already discussed, something like that. Let us know and we might just discuss it. Anyway, welcome to our little fluff part. Um, we have, we are almost out of lockdown. We have just a week left. Yeah. And then it's sort of over. Well, yeah. Ish. We still have small restrictions. Um, while the rest of the country is still getting vaccinated. Uh, I'm just so excited to go to the pub. It is I'm not going to lie. Yeah. We are, we're, we're booked in to go to the pub once things open up. We're booked to go to the pub next week. Next week's going to be a next big week. Next week we have week. three dinners. Yes. Uh, so we're making up for lost time. Oh, yeah. We're going to Taco Tuesday on Tuesday, obviously. Yes. And we're going to get really drunk on margaritas, margaritas and eat vegan tacos. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited. If you're in the new, the new town in a, in a west area, check out Vandau Taqueria. They make it's very so fantastic good. vegan like, tacos. You would never know it's vegan. Yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm yeah. dribbling just thinking about it. Yeah. And then we have yeah, the wheat and the wheat next. The what? The, the, the next place is... Our house. Our house. People coming to our house house. and then we're getting dumplings on Saturday. Yes. I am so excited. Schmick. Just all of our favorite places and all of our favorite people. Yeah. It's it's surreal. It feels weird leaving. I can't wait. Lockdown. It feels very weird. I told Tama this afternoon, despite the fact that we're obviously in a committed relationship, I was like, you know what? I never really had like a clubbing like hoe phase but I think I'm going to have it. <laughs> Obviously, without the sleeping with other people yeah. bit, I'm just going to dress like a hoe. Because why not? I've been stuck in my house not? for yeah. three months. <laughs> exactly. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I've been stuck in my house for three months and exercising a shit ton. So I'm like, uh, I've got to show it off. show yeah. off somehow. Can't get these baby for Tama's eyes only. <laughs> <laughs> um, in other news, in um, Smutty Book News, so I finished Akatar. Court of Thorns and Roses, for those who don't know. Um, and I moved on to the From Blood and Ash series, and it was excellent. I stayed up till, like, well, it was partly because I couldn't sleep, partly because I couldn't put the book down. I stayed up till, like, 4 a.m. on Saturday night reading the second book. Uh, so that was my wild Saturday night. And it's really good. So if you're looking for a series to move on to after Akhtar, would highly recommend From Blood and Ash. If you have any recommendations for smutty fantasy books, if it doesn't have smart, I don't want it. So yeah. don't recommend it. For everyone telling me to read Throne of Glass, I did. I liked it, but there was only one kiss and I was very upset. So Yeah, we don't we're not here for that PG shit. No. This shit not rated motherfucking PG. This shit rated porn. So what was interesting with a 
uh, a listener reaching out to us about question like not like sort of a, a vague sort of question on Australia and the wildlife here. Um, it was just like she was sharing a video that someone in Australia made. Oh, about Megan. How, Megan. Yes. Yeah. Um, basically, it's a video about how you shouldn't be worried about the snakes and the spiders in Australia. In Australia, you should be worried about the magpies. magpies. Very true thing. Something that you may not know about the Australian outback or just Australia in general, there are many snakes and spiders that potentially can kill you. Mm. However, they're very easy to avoid or to deal with. I think because they're pretty, because they're so common, like I think most hospitals for like a brown snake bite, I would assume, I don't know for a fact, I would assume most hospitals would have brown snake anti-venom. It's the same with um, redbacks as well. So redback um, is treatable now. Um, you just need to, if you're bitten by a redback and you know you have redbacks in your house or around mm. your house, then you just go get it treated, you're fine. But I do think we have, as Australians, you do get very desensitized to because just oh, yeah. everything tries to fucking kill you. Like yeah. we have so many, like if you look at like the most deadly snake, most deadly spider, most deadly jellyfish, like mm. they're all here. Just in our backyard, like a year ago, we had, we had a fucking a red, infestation um, of redbacks. And we had to spray them and it was terrifying. The the crazy thing about redbacks is, and funnel webs, which are the, t- the two most dangerous fucking spiders. Mm. They don't make general webs that hang in the sky. Redbacks like cold, dank areas, so they'll hide in like boots or behind something outside, like under a, sh- under a, a shack or something like that. Mm. Um, and funnel webs... They're easy to sort of avoid because they make little holes in the ground. Yeah, so literally the two most dangerous spiders in the world. Yeah. Number one, funnel web. Number two, redback. Yeah, literally. Um, and snakes as well. We just grow up having snakes fucking basically everywhere. I, I do think maybe the Amazon might have more deadly snakes. Let that me makes sense. let me look it up. Let me so, let me Google. So even in my like I know for you you probably had a dealt with a lot of snakes living um, in yeah. sort of a big property. But um, even where I lived in the in the Shire, we had brown snakes all the time. Just mm. one came back all the fucking time. And while they're deadly, you basically just call up a hotline and someone will come pick them up and basically take them to a safer area for them, away from cars, away from people. Yeah. So just after a quick Google, it looks like Africa... And kind of like jungly places gotcha. have more of the, but we like the brown snake is still very venomous. It's on this list. It's yeah. just number six. It's a very dangerous snake. I, I can't imagine it's any different um, for snakes with America. I imagine you would have snakes all this, or like in lots of areas of America, like rattlesnakes and. I think rattlesnakes are, are super deadly, but yeah, the the most uh, deadly jellyfish. Is the box jellyfish? The box, which featured on we a have here. Will Smith video movie that I can't remember was. Is it? it? Yeah, it's on a Will Smith movie. Oh, yeah, and he kills himself or something. And he Stupid. donates his organs to several people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have heard about that. I haven't yeah. seen it. Um, yeah, very dangerous, and that's something I guess you kind of need to worry about. I mean, I don't like, think we have to worry about it. Like it's kind of just yeah. It's not. I haven't really ever seen one or. And there's another one. And we have, um, oh, the other little ugly motherfuckers that look like rocks. What are uh, they called? Stonefish? Yeah, they're yeah. super poisonous as well. Yeah. That, that's 
that that I will grant people because that one looks like a rock. But it's it's very hard to see because yeah. it looks like a rock. Um, granted, I think they're not very common in populated areas. I don't know, but um, yeah, I I do get why people are like yeah. everything in Australia tries to kill you. I just but think anyway, you get a bit desensitized. The to point it. of that is oh, is there a point? I nothing thought. is more dangerous than fucking magpies. Yeah, a, a generic normal bird in Australia that just is so fucking pissed off at everything. Do you want to know a fun fact about me, though? Go. Never been swooped by a magpie. Wow. They just love me. Magpies I love me. have been swooped many I think times. they sense a kindred spirit in me. You watch. I'm going to get swooped by a magpie. Now. I know, yeah. Tomorrow um, you'll get swooped. I've never been... I've been swooped by a, a plover. Oh, those things suck. Uh... Plovers are been swooped assholes. by. I've been chased by a goose. That was terrifying. A plovers FYI. in other countries as well. No idea. Not sure. Is, is there a, is there a general name for them? Uh, or they just I think they're just plovers. plovers. I've been chased by a goose. That was really scary. Yeah, they're scary. Uh, I've been chased by a duck. Uh, that was my fault because I was trying to play with its babies. Um, they were really cute though in my defense. And yeah, I've never been properly swooped by a magpie. Like, I think I've had one quote swoop me as in it's like flown over the top of me, right. semi close, but. Um, so, just on plovers, they're found throughout the world, with exception to the Sahara and polar regions. And I found a snowy plover, which has actually looks really fucking cute. I think normal plovers are beautiful. The I love all are, birds. They're just fucking Except assholes. minor birds. They're yeah, minor assholes. birds are... Annoying. And whatever that fucking thing... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, on, like, Sunday night, Tama and I were like, oh, that was a nice day. We did a lot of exercise. Let's go to bed. It's, like, 1 a.m. in the morning. It is yeah. not bird time. And something outside our fucking window... I'm not even exaggerating with this noise. It was like... Ah, 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 and Tama and I were like... What, what the, the fuck? fuck is that? Like, so if if we're like right here, basically, I don't know how to do this in American measurements, but like a couple meters away from our bed. Not like a meter away is a window, maybe. an yeah. open window. And then we have like a little, a tiny backyard and then the train, that's what a train I mean. line behind uh, from us. That, from our, our window to the, to the, where oh, the yeah, tree like is. Three meters. Yeah. About three meters. I don't know what it was. Lucky so, it stopped after a few minutes because I was about ready feet? to go out and I don't own a gun, but I would have shot it. Yeah. Um, like I think, so magpies are like, they're just. They're just good mothers. But they're just. They're just trying to take care of their babies. The, the amount of like, you'll see people with fucking photos of scratches. They're deadly, man. I don't know if they've... Have they ever actually killed anyone? I know they've got... They've plucked um, eyes out. I don't think they've killed anyone. I imagine they've plucked many eyeballs yeah, out Yeah, there's been lots of lost eyeballs because of magpies. Yeah, we really... fucking savage. Australian tourism board should give us Yeah, you guys... Money. Look, Australia isn't that bad. No, it's really not. As long as you sort of... You come here knowing full well what happens. And for the most part, too, you're not going to get swooped by a magpie unless you're riding a bike. And also... Your chances of getting shot with a gun yes. are way higher than getting bitten by a snake. So yeah. I know which one I would pick. Yeah. 
and especially in Australia, we have strict gun laws. You're probably fine. Yeah. But no, brown snakes are motherfuckers. They will chase you. Oh, yeah. Um, brown we, snakes we are leave. like kill kill now. Yeah. Although technically you're not supposed to do that, so don't tell anyone. Um, they're technically uh, protected animals, right. so you're not supposed to kill them. But yeah, they're, they're, when you've um, got a shovel and you've got a brown snake a foot away from you, and you know it's going to chase you if you turn around and run. I'm sorry, but I'm going to chop that motherfucker's head off. Yeah. They're fairly easy to deal with, though. Like, for the most part, like, bird uh, uh, snakes that aren't brown snakes are pretty docile. Um, yeah. They're much more scared of you than you are of them. Red bellies, are they'll run away. Brown yeah. snakes are fucking terrifying. Yeah, brown snakes, are, are, they get huge as well. Massive. There, there was always one that would always come back to our front yard and we would always have to call... Someone to come pick it up. Yeah, but in terms of the other snakes, like cobras, we had a diamond python when I still live with my parents. Um, They had like a veranda that wrapped around the whole house. Um, Obviously, this Mm. is like in the countryside, so snakes were pretty common. Uh, We had like an open, I don't know how to explain it, like a veranda with a roof, but then it didn't have insulation. So it was like the timber beams and then the tin roof. So in summer, those wood beams would get, super warm because obviously the sun heats the tin blah 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 blah. so we had over the course of the 15 years or whatever we lived there we had many a diamond python that moved in and lived in the rafters and they're beautiful and they just mind their own business they hide somewhere at night and then they come out in the day and just like wrap themselves around the wood beam just kind of chill out near the warmth they don't want to have anything to do arts. with you. They're, they're honestly sweethearts. They're nicer than fucking some of the birds are. Yeah. You know, and like I said, they're very easy to deal with. Magpie is hard. You have a, you really have a hard on about. Well, I'm just saying, like, Danny, like with a snake, you can call someone up, or you can, you can, if you know what you're doing, you can pick one up and take it somewhere else. Mm. You can How, relocate. You, People um, relocate magpies. They relocate their nests and stuff. You just have to take the whole nest. Oh, relocate it somewhere. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. They're like, okay, so you swoop me. I'll take your entire fucking family, bitch. <laughs> well, they take the magpie as well. Like, I yeah. don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure well, how Well, I mean, exactly I'm sure the magpie would follow if you take its fucking home. Yeah. Away from <laughs> That's the ultimate, like, fuck you to a magpie swooping you. Like, oh, yeah? All right, I'm going to take your fucking house then. Bitch. Bitch. Um, so let's quickly talk about the absolute shit show that was that last episode of Drag Race. What the fuck was that? That was like a fever dream. I don't know what was happening with that challenge. I don't know what they were doing. They're yeah. on a bike and they're on exercise balls. It's almost like with UK, Rue and the producers are like, let's experiment and yeah, see. Let's just do weird what, shit and or, see if people like it. Or rather it's like the ideas that get funneled down that – that don't, that don't make it for the mainline yeah. US show, get funneled down to the UK show maybe. But then even in the lip sync with Electro was fucking breakdancing and even Michelle Visage was like, what the fuck is yeah, going is on? Right it was literally, I, th- I was, thought I was in a fever dream. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Not my favorite episode. I'm very excited for next week though. It's a good season though. Like the, the queens are very interesting. I'm so emotionally attached to all of them. It's very wholesome this season. Very wholesome. I love it. I love seeing, you know, people come together more so than like the beef between certain queens. Yeah. If Victoria has to go home, I'll be 
really upset. I'm not going to lie. If any of them have to go home, I'll be upset. They're all such – they're so sweet. No, but I mean if she has to go home because of her knee, I'll be very sad. Oh, yes. Very yes. sad. That is I th- – that, I imagine that might happen. Knees just don't miraculously sort of heal. Yeah, I don't know. Like especially when you're doing – like even what Dancing she was doing, in heels sitting down, like wearing sneakers, still doing stuff with like being active. Yeah. And you it's have to up, man. It's fucked up. You have to walk from studio to studio as well. Like yeah. it's just it's not good for your knee. You need so time true. off. Stress as well, not go, not good for it. Mm. So I imagine Very true. this this that might have been or this episode might be her last episode. I hope not, because I really like her. Also, our cats are doing the cutest thing right now. She's just stretching on the ground. God, I love cats. Yeah, they're very interesting. Just don't get how people cannot like cats. I think people either grow up or grow up around with or around cats who they let them out and they let them sort of do whatever they want. And then they only really communicate with them or have anything to do with them while feeding them. So there's zero attachment to them for that reason. Yeah. But with dogs... They need you. They need you to feed them. They need you to show them this is home and keep them on a leash or train them to know that this is where they have to stay because they've been raised that way to be completely codependent on you or to need your training, your guidance. Whereas cats are just totally self-sufficient. They're their own creatures. You could let either one of our cats out right now. They'd fuck off somewhere and they'd come back a couple hours later. But people don't take that and reciprocate that as affection yeah. with a pet. They want a dog or they want a, a fucking goldfish that will die if you don't feed it. It's funny we're talking about this because my sister literally <clears throat> tagged me in something this afternoon that says, studies show that cats understand human commands but don't care. <laughs> it makes like, sense. Yeah, it sounds about right. Unless it's to do with food. You know, that yeah, makes so sense. true. You know. But like also, same. Yeah. It's not. So, I, I just think people are telling me what to do. I just think people treat cats wrong, and then they reciprocate that in a way that they yeah. don't like cats. But I get that. You either need to pay me or feed me, or I ain't doing shit. Yeah, it also comes to a personality thing. But like, the, the, it's just sort of like an immature way of like seeing it. Like, yeah. oh, I don't like cats. Like, well, I mean, you don't want a cat, but you like cats. If you see a cat, you'll be like, oh, cute, a cat. One of my new team members at work, bless him, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he he doesn't just not like cats. He hates them. He said he thinks they're disgusting in I one of our meetings disgusting. once. And I was like, we're going we're gonna to have some problems, my dude. Yeah. We're going to have some issues. See, okay, and that's annoying as well because you say cats are disgusting. You've probably known two cats and they were disgusting and you're like, mm. all cats are disgusting. Like, what do you fucking mean? Yeah. Like... <laughs> You, Where, have, you you have one burger from one place and you go burgers are shit. Well, yeah, you fucking, like you've had one burger. Disgusting. How do you fucking know, you <laughs> expert on cats? So angry. About I just it. hate. I not not to do with cats, but I hate when people do that. Yeah, it's like you, know, you like, generalize an entire species of animal. It's just so fucking stupid. Again, grow up. Yeah, that's going to be my catchphrase. A lot phase. of things these days. Grow up. Yeah. Fucking grow up. All right, let's wrap up this episode. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. It's going into an unhinged place very quickly. Yes. Uh, yeah, so new show on Friday, every Friday. Friday. 
Um, so main show on Monday, mini show on Friday. This will be every week, um, either until it kills us or <laughs> any other Or until we quit our jobs. Yeah, you know. Um, we're hoping that this will give you guys more content. Um, we just want to sort of push as much as we can out, work with you guys and yeah, just sort of have a bit more of an interaction between you two, you guys. And really uh, it's been fantastic seeing this show grow from nothing to what it is now to hmm. the point we can sort of envision us doing this because we want to keep it, keep it growing and add more and give more content to you guys and work with sponsors and eventually um work with other people you know this is something that we want to sort of project and push mm. um we have a couple more ideas that we're sort of working on we will probably have an announcement next week stay tuned stay tuned but for now monday and friday episodes so check that out and yeah wednesday thank you and friday. wednesday and friday sorry i've been saying monday um wednesday and friday it's probably irrelevant for people who listening in America as well because it comes out on a different day. But Yeah, it'll be Tuesday and Thursday. Thursday probably. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for all your support. Yeah, and, and really we would just... love it if you shared the show yes. or left us a review. Um, you know, every bit, little bit counts. It helps yeah. helps grow the show, helps help us make it a better show where wow, i really struggle yeah you that really sentence. fucked up that up <laughs> send in your cat and dog and p- other pet, and pet photos your furry scaly uh, feathered Feathery. i think that's it yeah uh i did forget to do it not last week the week before but uh. i have been posting uh listener submission photos and videos of pets on our little pet corner on yep. instagram That'll so be you every can week as send well. it in and i've Save them all to our highlight reel if you want to see some cute little pets. Yep. Um, and yes, that's it. That's probably it. We'll that's it. catch you on Friday. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait, 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 oh, wait, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh. wait. Code word. Oh. Um, Hold up. You do it this way. Furry. Code word for the week is furry. With yeah. a Y, not an IE. Oh, come on. There's a distinct on. difference. Well, send in either one that you want. I'll <laughs> accept on. either forms. I had a few people send in uh, soaking last time. Yeah, and I, I know. I was really I happy saw. with that. I'm very grateful for you guys. All right. Code word is furry. Choose whichever one you want to send in. Um, I'll, we'll respect your decision and we'll know a little bit more about you. <laughs> anyway. We'll catch you on Friday. Bye. Bye. Bye.